You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to episode 26 of Cow Corner. We're here this week to preview the first test between England and Sri Lanka, which starts on January the 14th, so very soon. Uh, this week I'm joined by Glenn over in Wyoming. Good morning and how are you? I'm good, thank you, Dan. Getting a little bit overwhelmed with the amount of cricket, as you said. I think Cow Corner needs an intern to do some research for us at this point. Anyone fancy a job, no money involved, please <laughs> do get a hold of us. Uh, we'd, love the, we'd love the help. Uh, and Zach, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good. I'm just pondering that idea of a cow corner intern. It'd be quite nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> soon, boys. We'll be there soon. We'll grow it. I think his name's Will. I think he's... he's <laughs> Brilliant. Well, um, we've had so many pods recently. There's not much news to get stuck into. So let's just get straight into it, boys, shall we? Um, England versus Sri Lanka. Uh, two test series. Uh, both games happening at Gaul. First one's on the 14th, as I mentioned. And the second test beginning on the 22nd of January. And uh, an interesting series um, in prospect, especially with England touring India uh, immediately afterwards. So some subcontinental conditions against will be a weaker opposition than India, obviously, but um, plenty to look at and plenty to debate. Um, let's start with England. They a 16 man squad's gone out there. Um, so Jimmy Anderson, Ollie Stone, Chris Wokes, Ben Folks, Moeen Ali. Oh, I'm going to give away my 11 here by reading out in order. But uh, Dom Sibley, Zach Crawley, Johnny Besto, Joe Root. Uh, Dan Lawrence, Josh Butler, Sam Curran, Don Bess, Stuart Broad, Mark Wood and Jack Leach. That's your 16 and we'll be choosing from them. I've given mine away already, but we're choosing from them for our first starting 11. Um, you know, not much to really debate about here, I don't think, because a lot of England's pretty settled. But obviously in subcontinental conditions, things change. Uh, we're going to start with Johnny Bairstow because he's really wound me up this week. Um, well, for the past few weeks, actually, his interviews have been a bit strange. He seems a bit agitated. Um, but also very defiant and that he doesn't have a point to make, but that Johnny Bess is always better when he has a point to make. Now, Zach, he's probably going to be batting at three for both of these test matches. So with, with Rory Burns on paternity leave, that pushes Zach Crawley up to open and, and Johnny Bess to at three. 
70 test caps now for Johnny Bairstow. Um, and he always seems to be working his way in and out of the team. How do you think he'll do on these in these two test matches? And is his agitation, you know, warranted? Is he under underappreciated in England? Uh, underappreciated, I'm not sure. He seems to think that his 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 record is very good, and he's been comparing himself to Matt Pryor a lot. But I think he needs to think remember that Matt Pryor doesn't play Test cricket anymore, and that actually he's he's not competing with Matt Pryor. He's he's competing with with Butler for the wicket keeping. He's competing with. Ollie Pope in the middle order. And at number three, he's competing with Zach Crawley, all players who in recent time have been better than him. He's also said he doesn't have a point to prove, but I think anyone who who comes out and is so public about their frustrations with things, like we had Broad in the summer, anyone like that, they, they have a point to prove. And especially if you've been out of the test side and you've you've shown because he, he shows his, he's he wears his heart on his sleeve, Johnny Bairstow, and I love Johnny Bairstow, but he does have a point to prove because he's not been in the test side for 18 months. He wasn't amazing. Wasn't, you know, wasn't anything special. Not many England batsmen were in the ashes. I don't think he's played a test since then. He doesn't have a central contract and he is obviously such a star in the white ball game, but he really does see himself as a red ball star as well. And I, I really hope he does well. And he is good against spin and could be a really good player for us in India, but I've watched him get bowled in India plenty of times in the IPL, and I don't know how much more of that I can watch. It's agonising, isn't it? I think if you're a stump manufacturer, you you want Bearstow playing, your stocks can go through the roof. But if you're an England fan, maybe not. And my my agitation with Bearstow isn't in the white ball. Can we just say he's you know a white ball legend, World Cup winner, etc.? I'm parking that to one side, and we're talking red ball cricket here. Um, he's just yeah, I think he wants to be in that so badly. Feels like he deserves a place in there, but. I don't think he does. Um, I think he's only in this team because of people not playing at the minute. That's that's blatantly obvious. I don't think he'd be... He might have been in this squad, but with Burns not playing, that kind of frees up a place for him. He'd never batted number three in England. That That's Crawley's place at the minute. Um, yes, he was good in Sri Lanka last time. And his last Test 100 was in Colombo in that third Test in 2018. So... And that was at number three. So, yeah, great. Maybe you could be a good weapon for us in the subcontinent. I'm, I'm just not sure. And on that thing with Matt Pryor, um, kind of unprovoked, he started comparing himself to Matt Pryor. He said, I'm less than 60 runs behind Matt Pryor's runs on pretty much the exact same amount of innings. And, um, you know, he averaged 40, I averaged 35, but he's had something like 20 not outs. It's actually 21. Um, while I've only had seven. So Best has realised that if he gets out less, his average might go up, which is a great thing for him to have realised now into his um, 71st test match. But <laughs> it's just wound, really wound me up that he feels like he's entitled to this place. And realistically, it's only there because um, there's people away. Ben, are you as agitated with Johnny Bairstow as I am? Or are you not that fussed? Are you excited to see him? I mean, I, I agree with what Zach said, to be honest. Like, we just talked, you know, off air about how he has responded um, in the past with this need to prove himself. Um, but yeah, you know, these explicit comparisons with other players, I just think it's just a bit of a waste of time. Um, and I think it means that we're talking about it, right? There's no need for us right now to be spending time talking about Matt Pryor because he hasn't played test cricket for years. We should be talking about Bairstow and his record, which isn't that bad. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that his 
last um, Test 100, his sixth Test 100, was in Sri Lanka um, on our previous tour, the 3-0 whitewash for England. Um, and that was a beautiful innings. You know, it, it was pretty tough conditions to bat then. I remember him doing exceptionally well. Um, and yeah, I, again, I'm also um, pleased we've, we've kind of discussed that he is um, still an integral part of our one day side. And it's easy to get that conflated with the test team where he has struggled more. So I do think he's had a hard time of it in the press. I will be honest. I think he has. Um, I think Michael Vaughan, there's been some beef between them before and a couple of the other Sky team. Um, and I do think he has a, um, a really tough time, especially on social media. He gets a lot of he gets a lot of stick. Um so, yeah, to be honest, I'm looking forward um, to seeing how he does. I hope he responds in a positive way. But one thing I would say is that I feel like he puts a bit more pressure on himself with these outbursts. I feel like it can be a case of, OK, you can respond. For example, Vaughn, he's being exceptionally crit- critical of you in the press. You have a right to respond to that. But as I said, these kind of comparisons, he just puts the pressure on himself. And I don't think in the long run that's necessarily helpful. Yeah, I absolutely agree, Glenn. I think he doesn't help himself and it's definitely clearly wound me up about him. So I'm sure other people are feeling on either side of that. Um, Listen, let's move on to this team more wholly. We think we're pretty sure Bess is going to be at three, hence this discussion, and that he'll he'll have four innings or, you know, at least two test matches to cement his place at three. That just sounds daft saying that. It's not going to happen. What's the point in this? It's It's just there to fill a hole. He's going to have to do something special. I've got to move on very quickly, otherwise I'm going to get agitated. Mm -hmm. Um, Dan Lawrence is expected to get uh, his debut batting at probably five, maybe six, somewhere in that middle order. Uh, A great piece in The Independent, a bit of a profile on him. We'll link below um, this episode's tweet. Um, 3,711 first-class runs, 10 hundreds, um, a wristy man from Essex, he was described as, um, batting-wise, that is. Um, I'm excited to see him, Zach. Are you? And I think... The only issue is something I've just alluded to with Bairstow there is that what kind of series does he have to have to cement his place in this team with Ollie Pope and Ben Stokes to come and fill this middle order up, we think? Yeah, I mean, he's going to have to do really well, isn't he? He's going to have to at least one match winning knock, really, and at least one hundred in difficult conditions. Like, I don't know how many... Um, he may have done a Lions tour to the to the subcontinent at some point. I'm not 100% sure. He did well on the Lions tour of Australia last winter, which is why he has been donned as the next man in line for, for this whole year. Well, the whole of last year, in fact. I forget it's January. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it is a good opportunity for him. But he's not going to he's not going to displace Stokes. Stoke. He's not going to dis- he's not going to displace. What the entire the entirety of Stoke? He's not that big a chap, you know. <laughs> He's not going to displace Stokes. He won't displace Rook because I think he bats at four quite a lot for Essex, and he's not he's not ahead of Pope. He's not ahead of Butler. He's I don't know where I don't know where we fit him in for now. In five years' time, when Joe Root is commentating for Sky, <laughs> then there's a place for Dan Lawrence, but. I, I kind of feel for the guy, but hopefully he will get his day. And if he does bat really well, maybe he can, you know, bat as six, but is that a bit low for him? Maybe he can bat three and probably will he open in the long run? Who knows? But yeah, I mean, he's, it's a good opportunity nonetheless. Yeah, I just want to say that he's been playing first class cricket since 2015 and he's only 23. So there's been this kind of expectation that he's going to be playing cricket for England. I think we've all heard that over the last couple of years. I think there, again, you know, in comparison to Bairstow, that does put a bit more pressure on him. He's seen as this kind of golden boy for for so many years, you know, half a decade he's been playing cricket. Just looking at his stats, um, he's got a really, um, 
decent um, average, very healthy, 37 average in first-class games. I also want to point out he's got 10 hundreds in first-class games and 1850s. Um, yeah, I, I think he's he's really good. Um, I'd just like to ask you, I know I think you only bowled an over, if if not a couple more, in the warm-up game we're going to discuss in a second. Do either of you see his off-breaks as any kind of option for England? He, 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 he's got nine first-class wickets. Can't say I've seen him bowl. Two for 63 is a best. But, I mean, you never know. It, I think it would have to be going quite badly for him to get a bowl, especially because he, will be, he would be the third off-spinner because, obviously, we'd have guaranteed third off-spinner at least, depending on our picks, because we've got uh, Don Bess and then, obviously, Joe Root. Well, is is a third spinning option, but I mean, if Dan Lawrence is bowling, something's not going very well. Either that, or it's ragging round corners, and even Dan Lawrence <laughs> can get some demons out of this pitch. Oh, uh-huh. Zach, can I come to you quickly? Is uh, Root's more of a TMS guy for me? If he's when he eventually splits off into punditry, do you think he's going down the you know the Strauss Hussein Atherton line, or maybe the Alistair Cook line? What what do we both think on that? A slight digression. Oh, I like the question. I don't know. I've always seen him as a sky man. He, he kind of seems to get along really well with with Hussein and Atherton. And I think, I don't know. I can see him kind of just, you know, chatting with them, you know, replace Rob Key maybe. But he's always do looking not, for Do not well. touch Rob Key. Protect <laughs> Rob Key at all costs. For goodness sake, that's disgraceful. <laughs> um, on Dan Lawrence then, yes, let's move to some cricket. Excited uh-huh. to see him. You're asking a lot, Zach, though. You know, just a quick, just one match-winning innings and 100 from these two tests for Dan Lawrence, not too much for him. Um, let's come on to the bowling attack then, because I think we're pretty set on um, England's batting uh, uh, lineup for this for this tour. And like you said briefly then, Zach, Crawley to be opening, which he sounds very comfortable with, and I'm excited to see that. Be interesting if he could put some cats amongst pigeons with that Burns-Sibley opening partnership. We'll, we'll expect to see Burns back at some point, obviously, but a good tour for him could could contest that um let's move on to the bowlers then let's start with the spinners and i gave away my bowling lineup already um curran best broad wood and leach um best and leach together two somerset boys you two must be buzzing surely we're going to see these two um on, on the tour of sri lanka in 2018 leach had 18 wickets at 21 and a fun stat that when best and leach bowled together for somerset uh, 19 matches 163 wickets between the two so yeah i know zach's very shocked for those listening obviously everyone's listening that's a stupid point um i expect to see those two obviously the issue moeen ali won't be playing um his positive covid test means he can't come out of quarantine until the day before that would have made the selection a bit more interesting but uh are you well, both of you you're both somerset boys you're excited to see these two bowling together for england yeah, I mean, absolutely. And yeah, a good interview with um, with Bess, um, George DeBell, um, classic DeBell in uh, ESPN Crick Info kind of profiled um, Bess, you know, in the in the context of this relationship with Jack Leach. They were rooming together a couple of years ago for the Somerset second 11 and joking about playing cricket for England. And it's pretty poetic that they're both they're both out there and that they could be um, could be bowling from either end. And I think, to be honest, if we did um, get a scenario, which we, hopefully we will see in a couple of days, whereby they are both bowling together, hopefully it kind of like heals this this unfortunate rift because they get on really well. They are friends, but unfortunately they've been, it's been one or the other for the last, you know, two years, whatever it has been. Um, and that's been unfortunate. And, and that's often the case, um, especially when it is, 
uh, a similar action, similar style of bowling, and they're at the same club, especially in England, right? You're just not going to play um, two spinners at the same time. So they've had this strange, friendly competition, both at club level and then in for England, because we've we've discussed on this pod at length the lack of quality spinning options for England. And I'm, I am certain without um, Jack Leach's unfortunate health problems that he would have really cemented his place as a really high class international spinner. And the fact that he unfortunately wasn't well did open the door for Bess, who, in my opinion, still isn't good enough for the England test side. So I'm looking forward to hopefully being impressed by him. So we will see. Yeah, I think I mean, I I think it's a really big tour for both of them. And it's a really big I think especially Bess. I think he has he has more to prove almost. I feel like we've seen more of Leach. And I mean, especially at Somerset, Leach is more. The proven character, you know what you're going to get with Leach, but I think the idea with Bess is obviously he supposedly will have a higher ceiling and is still developing as a bowler. So I think it's it is more of a big tour for him because, I mean, and he he said he, he understands that and he he's happy and he's excited for the conditions to be more in his favour than playing you know a bit of a bit part role where he didn't you know he didn't he didn't cement his place in the summer. We we've talked about this on this pod about how we were a little bit disappointed with his bowling, but the conditions weren't weren't there, and they now they are now going to be there. We expect the pitches to be proper turners, and it's it's the time it's time for Don Best to step up. Well said, yeah, he does, doesn't he? And I think I was initially quite shocked, Glenn, when you just said Don Best isn't quite ready yet and isn't an international spinner because I've I've always kind of had him as that. Um, and then I, I do think back to the summer and I go, oh, he, he wasn't that great. There were times when he didn't bowl, maybe because he wasn't needed, but we don't know what kind of confidence that Joe Root has in him. So are you in agreement this is this is pretty huge for him and perhaps a bad tour might, might be at the end for him as number one spinner at the minute? Yeah, I just want to say looking at averages, Jack Leach has got a reasonable 29 in tests and for... Um, on best, that's up to 40, which just isn't mm. particularly good. It's and not again, good enough, like, is it? no, and I, it's hard because, again, we've discussed at length difficult bowling conditions in England. But when he has had the opportunity on a fourth, fifth day pitch at home, he just does, still doesn't strike me as someone who's going to spin another team out of the game. He has decent control. Um, but yeah, I just haven't been, I was, I was, I wanted to be blown away by him and just, I haven't been yet. And I think you, you're right, this tour is a really important one because these pitches are inherently built for spin. And I think they're probably going to be prepared to try and spin England out of this entire series. So that puts even more pressure on both our spinners because they need to be just as good, if not better as the home, as the home spinners. I think that's a, I think that's an interesting point on the averages though, because obviously Leach's average, I'd be interested to see their averages in just home tests because well, I suppose, because best did get his first and only test five for, in South Africa, so his average probably isn't it was what is worse than that in just home tests. But Leach obviously did really well in Sri Lanka, and I mean I'm not saying he did badly, but I'd be interested to know his his average in home tests because Leach obviously did get the I'm not calling it stat padding in Sri Lanka, but yeah, I think that's a bit that would be a bit <laughs> far. No, no, that's exactly what you're doing, and you, and you know you are. Um, <laughs> that was an interesting one because Best wasn't part of that tour. He wasn't part of the the Rashid Ali Leach trifecta that did spin Sri Lanka out, and we won. England, I keep saying we, I do apologise. England won 3 0 um, in Sri Lanka, which was a great a great tour over in 2018. So, but I think having these two from an England perspective, um, right arm off spinner, left arm off spinner, we've got, we got the ball going either way. Um, so we, we're, we're 
going into left-handers, away from left-handers, or the opposite for right-handers, which is good. I'd be interested to know, Zach, and if you could give me what bowling attack you have for this first test, whether Moe and Ali would have featured in this um, without the positive COVID test. For me, he would have. I'd have had three spinners. I'd have taken out I'd taken out Curran and put Moeen in at seven. I'd have three spinners then. I thought, you know, why not? Would you have? And then what's your bowling attack for, for the first test? My bowling attack's the exact same as you've picked, oh, obviously. Not <laughs> anymore. We've got we've got to up our game, guys. Seriously, we can't just keep agreeing with each other. <laughs> yeah, I've got the exact same bowling attack as you. I think the the main point of discussion was was broad I think broad over Anderson in these conditions maybe but that was kind of a and then Wood I think Wood gets a game you know uh, sheer pace and then yeah Curran just makes sense because he can bat you know like and, it, said, and left arm as well so there's a bit of a different arm, angle so it's different, a, rough, yeah. a, bit, a bit of rough for the, um, for the spinners there okay that's great I put broad brackets Anderson because I think I'll just play one each Glenn is, is there any argument to play them both no, I, I don't think there is. Um, on the last tour, um, two years back now, it was. Yeah, they got one wicket between them, I think uh, I think it was. So, yeah, the, the, the pitch is just, and the general conditions, um, you know, in Sri Lanka aren't really suited to their style. Um, not quite quick enough, as we've all discussed, for a pitch that isn't going gonna, isn't gonna to move a huge amount. And, yeah, it, it kind of makes sense because, obviously, they're both getting older anyway. Um, and it probably does make sense to, to keep them rotated. Um, an interesting interview um, or just a piece on them um, by Matt Roller for ESPN saying – uh, one of them said that they're expecting to play a slightly more defensive role, which was interesting. So maybe tying up an end, keeping that end really tight, you know, um, keeping it accurate. But staying in the game and still getting wickets is important. So I, I think, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't make a huge amount of sense to play them both um, based on that record from the last tour. Yeah, there's very little argument for it. And I think it'll be interesting to see if the argument's still there come the ashes at the end of 2021, because... So there was a BBC article the Broad quote tweeted a few weeks ago that was like, do they both bowl? And he just sort of, I don't know, did a Saki comment or something. Um, and that that is going to be a debate come, you know, the 2021 tour. And obviously we've got India to come up as well. So it's going to be interesting how they are used. They are older. We can't deny that. That is a fact. And, you know, we want to rest them up. So good. I'm glad there's no debate there either. Um would you have bought Moeen in, Zach? Sorry, did, did you answer that? If he was available, would you have had him? I didn't answer that, but yeah, I think I probably would have. <laughs> I think, uh, but maybe it would have been a case of look at the pitch, but it would have been a look at the pitch. Looks like it's probably going to turn. Yeah, yeah. Moeen instead. One interesting thing about Broad and Anderson, I've just been looking at where the where the India tests are played, because obviously in India, we think, again, it's going to be spin friendly. And I was I was maybe hoping because um, the Kings eleven Punjab play at Mahali and Mahali sometimes seems but unfortunately none of the tests are going to be played there they are going to be played at the new stadium in Ahmedabad the new mega stadium but that's mm. that's a topic for another podcast okay excellent more more no more non-debate we'd have both had Moeen in would that have been that might have been overkill with four spinners if you count Root as a genuine spinner which I think I think he is in these conditions so I don't know maybe we'll see for the second test when Moeen's available again uh, so that leaves Ollie Stone, Chris Wokes, Ben Folks, Moeen and Anderson not playing in this one. They might do Anderson Broad. They can just switch them over. They're kind of interchangeable, aren't they? I'm not, I'm not that bothered either way. Maybe Broad thickens the batting line out 
uh, lineup just a little bit. So yeah, and then batting lineup, Zach. I had Sibley, Crawley, Besto, Root, Lawrence, Butler. I'm just going to guess you had the same. Of course I did. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely no debate whatsoever. Okay, great. <laughs> I think, well, the fact we're all in agreement is perhaps a good thing for England, right? I think their team's probably already set. They probably already had those meetings, that first test. Um, and they can focus on, um, you know, trying to win that. And winning those three in 2018, I don't want to disrespect Sri Lanka here, but something of a, a, a warm-up or at least an eye, keep an eye on a few players for that tour of India, which is obviously a slightly better opponent. And, um, you know, a lot of test matches played over there in similar conditions. So playing to look forward to for England, um, some players have highlighted their best. Oh, Lawrence, keep keep an eye on them and see how our spinners do as well. Uh, let's move on to Sri Lanka. They they took a bit of a pasting down in South Africa over Boxing Day and New Year. Uh, a weak Sri Lanka, uh, South Africa side as well. But Sri Lanka had a few injuries. We'll come on to that. Uh, but Zach, you've been looking at a few of their players and, and ones for, for fans who don't follow Sri Lanka, uh, for England fans or for fans that aren't following Sri Lanka cricket that much. Who should they be looking out for on this tour? Yeah, well, I think it's interesting. You mentioned they they got a pasting, and yeah, they weren't very good in that series. But then they have. It's, I think it's hard to judge where this Sri Lanka Test team are because they've actually only played one home series since England last toured there against their drawn series against New Zealand, who obviously New Zealand are a fantastic side. Um, I think the main player to look out for is the player who made his debut in South Africa, uh, who was their main spinner, who was Wanindu Hasaranga who was, was very good was very good with the bat and got a 50 on on debut. He averages 41 with the bat in first-class cricket, but was their main spinner, obviously, because the, the conditions in in uh, South Africa aren't ideal for spinning, so they didn't need a, you know, they didn't need multiple spinners like they will have in this game. But his spin will obviously be tested more in this. Wrist spinner, 23 years old, and, you know, he, looked, he looks like an interesting cricketer. He's definitely one to keep an eye on. You don't get many legs spinning all rounders anymore, isn't isn't that exciting? And an interesting fact, he's got a lower first class bowling average than Don Bess and a higher batting average than Zach Crawley. How about that for a stat for you guys? So yeah, Hasarang is definitely one to watch out for. He was he was very exciting. Uh, player of the tournament at the Lanka Premier League as well. So he's in very good form at the minute. Uh, Angelo Matthews missed out on the uh, the South Africa tour to uh, I think it was a hamstring injury we don't know if he's back or not. We don't know if he's fit, but he's a really important part of this batting lineup. Dinesh Chandamel as well missed the second test in South Africa again to injury. So I feel like apart from Karuna Ratna, the captain at the top of the order, they're kind of a little bit light in the batting lineup. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, Karuna Ratna and Mendes are, are both quite important. You had, but then he made a like Karuna Ratna made a century, like you said, but they haven't been great recently. Karuna Ratna and Mendes both averaged 33 in the last couple of years, and they're you know leading that. And Chandamal averages 22 in the last two years, which is which is terrible, really. But it did hit 85 in the Boxing Day Test, which is his highest score since June 2018, though. But still, maybe some form. And Angelo Matthews, yeah, he's he, like you said, he's really important to that middle order. But the middle order didn't seem to really add much. There was a I can't remember which innings it was in the second test with Karuna Ratna hit a century, but Sri Lanka only mustered 200. Like if, if a batsman's hitting a century, surely the rest of the batsmen between them can get more than he's just got on his own. Mm -hmm. I think one interesting player who was really good in the first test was Kusul Pereira, who hit 60 off of about 60 balls at the top of the innings. So I think that could be something to keep an eye on for England fans, because 
if we let him get in and get away, he could really just change the momentum of the game. Well, like you see with David Warner for Australia at the top of the innings, he was just going at it and was unlucky to get out, and but was just he looked like he was playing on a different pitch to the other batsmen. So if he gets in and gets going and he gets, he does that very quickly. So it'll be interesting to see how England stop that and whether they, you know, whether they just go on the defensive against him or really they, they focus on the fact that they need to get him out. They need to get him out quickly. Otherwise he will, you know, he will demolish our, you know, our, our maybe questionable bowling attack in these conditions. Looking at that South Africa tour as well, they started it so brightly that their 396 in the first innings was the highest they've ever had as a team in South Africa. Chandamal batting himself in some form, 85. I think Dick Weller's a great wicketkeeper and a, a sort of part of that brand of counter-attacking wicketkeepers, you know, the Rishat Pants of this world that, that can get runs very quickly and can change the whole momentum of an innings, especially if they're in. Uh, a little bit earlier. So I think this is an exciting looking side. I think apart from, you know, someone like Tiramane, who I think averages less than 20 after like 30 odd tests, there's a few stale names in there, but I think there's a a few good names in here. I I do think England will overpower them still. I I wouldn't be saying the same if we hadn't beaten them 3-0 in 2018. And I'd argue this is a slightly worse looking lineup. Um, Yeah. Zach, your, your, your eyes are bulging out of your head. I I think I think we are we are a little bit too confident. English media are a little bit too confident for this. I think I think it's going to be one all. I think we'll lose the first test because we love losing the first test as well. Uh, recently, especially. So yeah, I think we're going to be. I worry that that you know that kind of. Oh, uh, we beat them three 0 last time. Obviously, we're going to beat them this test series because there's a lot in the media that's, that is kind of talking about it as if it's a warm up to the to the, to the uh, tour with India so I, I do think maybe we're underestimating them England seem to do this a lot with in football especially where we're like oh obviously <laughs> obviously we made it to the World Cup final in 2018 obviously we're there you know and we do need to take into account that this isn't like we've, we've just named some very good cricketers and they're in their home conditions lots of our batsmen haven't played in, in, in the subcontinent before so I, I do think we're going to struggle more than more than lots of us think which is, I, I hate saying it, but... I, I'm, I'm kind of torn. I, I really like that point, Zach. I, I agree. I think it is classic English media um, to, you know, demean an opponent before we've even played them, to assume that we've won. I just, I'm just looking at those scorecards again from the South Africa series um, that was ju- just finished um, a couple of weeks, like a week or two ago. And I mean, they were, it is worth underlining that Chayanka were demolished. Um, first test, South Africa won by an innings and 45 runs after scoring 621. I mean, that's a monster score. And then in that second test, South Africa, South Africa did win by 10 wickets, which is a very similar scoreline, obviously just flipped around, just a mammoth win. Um, and then Sri Lanka, they really struggled for runs. Um, you've meant you touched on it earlier um, with the opener getting half their runs in one innings, but they started off all right. They got 396 in that first innings of the first test, and then it went to 180, 157, and then 211 not good, not good at all. When it didn't seem to be that hard to score because um, South Africa seemed to be, you know, very much in the driving seat. And then, yeah, it was a weakened team, but I think that team's going to have enough similarities with the one that England face for it to be in that ballpark. 
but it was away from home. I totally agree with you. I love the point you made, Zach, about our players not being necessarily used to those conditions. And then, yeah, that this there there is a feel of this kind of B team warm up when it's not that. You know, they're they're, they're a strong cricketing nation. Um, they've beaten us before, and I think yeah, we are using the last tour as a bit of a crutch to be like, oh yeah, it's fine. We're gonna we're gonna thump them again. Um, but it's worth outlining that the only way is up for Sri Lanka after being turned over 3-0 at home. That's, that is still hard to take. So I'm going to say 2-0 England. I do think we're going to be too strong for them. But I think it's going to be closer uh, than than some people in the media might be imagining. You, bo- you both make good points, yeah? And I, I agree. But, and here's a horrible English media, but this, that, that Sri Lanka poor batting that you mentioned, Glenn, was against a weakened... South Africa bowling lineup with no Rabada. It had Norkia, yeah, and Nangidi's good, and Sitman looks okay. But that that was a poor uh, South, uh, South Africa attack, right? England have got pretty much the same bowling lineup that's going over to Sri Lanka that beat them three nil. Those games were close. The the second the, the second and third test were, were won by I think fifty and forty runs respectively, roughly, in that 2018 tour. So they were still close games. We just edged them. And I think we're going to do the same again. And I've got two nil as well. You know, we're not going to beat them like South Africa did, but I think it it's going to be very similar story to that last tour. Zach? I mean, I don't know. I watched a bit of that Boxing Day test match, and on the pitch at Centurion, where it seems about, they just didn't have the right bowlers, whereas Omrik Nokia was the right bowler, and Mulder as well. They were the right bowlers, and they was... Oh, some of the deliveries. I know you talked about Kyle Jameson and the, just the delivery to get out Fawad Alam, and there were a few that were similar to that. Obviously, he's a different pace and he's not quite got the control of of Jameson, but Amrik Nokia looked looked like a proper player in this series, and I would say that was part of the reason. Like you said, that it wasn't hard to score in this, but it was. I mean, it was hard. It wasn't hard to score against Sri Lanka's medium paces. It it looked very hard to score against Amrik Nokia, but. I do understand where you're coming from and, you know, England are good and England's bowlers are good, but is, their spinners aren't as good as last time. We don't have a deal Rashid in fine form. Oh, so I just want to throw one more thing into the mix here that um, they Zimbabwe did get a draw against Sri Lanka this time last year. I think it was um, interesting again, just to put it in there. So they haven't had a particularly amazing run of, of test results in recent times. I think that's worth saying as well. And, and Zach, again, I don't want to be the English guy that's like we're going to win 2-0 against some, you know, average looking team. And Schwanker are a great Kingston nation and I don't want to disrespect them, but I am. Because you said that South Africa had the bowlers for that pitch. Yes, I agree with that. But do Sri Lanka have the bowlers for these pitches? You know, Hasaranga's not got that many test caps. They're good spinners, but I think Leach and even Bess's experience playing in South Africa is going to be better than that. I think that's a really good point that we do come we do come to Sri Lanka and it's it's a media presumption that they're going to have fantastic spinners and actually yeah you look at their spinners Hasaranga hasn't played many tests Embel Dania hasn't played many tests Diluruan Pereira took a lot of wickets last time but has averaged 98 with the ball since then so and Andy's like, 38 he's very old as yeah. well he's he's the same age as Anderson yeah, I mean, I think that is going to be it, it's going to be a spin-off. It is, we know that, and I think mm. the Sri Lankan spinners is such a good point, and it's such an important thing to look out for. Is how because our media is so quick to go after Don Bess, and we're you know we're definitely guilty of that. But it, it we 
interesting to see how these Sri Lankan spinners do because the pressures like we talk about the pressure on on the spinners for England. The pressure is even more on them because they've been because like Sri Lanka haven't won a Test series in a while. They've not been very good. They come at home a marquee series for them. You know their spinners need to do well. And I think we're all in agreement that these questions mean that it's going to be a really interesting two tests, I think. I mean, I'm really glad we did this pod because it's made me think about the England team. It's made me think about the Sri Lanka team more in depth. And the more we talk about it, I mean, the more excited I am personally for it to start. Because there's a load of questions for both teams. And I think in a way, there's expectations for the home team and the touring team to get a result. Uh, And I think it's going to be highly competitive. And again... I agree with both of you. I I do think England will shade it, but I wouldn't be surprised if Sri Lanka win a game at all. I do think we'll win one, but I think they're going to be tight. I think you made that point, Dan, that even though it was a whitewashing, it wasn't always a massive margin in those games last tour. I'm really excited. Also, um, valuable World Test Championship points up. For oh, bore, mm. bore off, man. You come for <laughs> Rob Key and you're talking about the World Test Championship. I am an advocate of it, but I also don't care about it at the same time. It's a very weird relationship I have with it. Uh, Glenn, you made a really good point, actually, there. I, I like what you said. That, and you managed to build me up in, in the last pod we recorded. You managed to get me really excited about Pakistan and South Africa. Just from a little chat. <laughs> so... I hope for you guys listening, it's done the same because there are all these little stories coming out of each side and we've given you a few players definitely to keep an eye on and a few narratives there. And, you know, again, just finishing that uh, Sri Lanka spinning thing, they could be amazing. And if they are, I'd expect them to at least get one test match there. Yeah. And just one thing we've we've been mentioning um, off air as well, that we're going to reference a couple of articles that we found really useful when researching and talking about this pod. And there's been one um, by... Tim Delisse um, for the for the Guardian that talks about five Schlanker danger man. I think we've all, at least me and Dan, if not Zach, have referenced and looked at, and we'll put that in this pod because that's helped me get to know this Schlanker team that I'm honestly not very familiar with in the last couple of months. It's, it's always nice going into a series with an idea of you know what's going on instead of going in blank. And my main issue with this series, I'm going to have to really adjust my body clock. So we've got a 4:30 start here in the UK, and I was up to at least 3:30 last night watching <laughs> the end of the Australia India game. So it's now a total flip on its head. I've been getting up some. I'm getting a bit personal now, but I've been getting up somewhere toward noon recently. We are in lockdown in the UK. I am you know on furlough. I don't have a job, so. I'm going to have to totally switch that. I don't know about you guys. I'm going to try and get up for like seven or eight and, and watch the, the lunch and the evening sessions. What about you guys? Dan, Dan, I think what you should actually do, because obviously the Australia-India fourth test also starts again on Friday, I think. <laughs> so what you should actually do is, so the, that, that, the Sri Lanka test will probably finish at about 2 p.m. Yeah. And then the Australia test doesn't start till midnight. So there's there's your time. You see there's my seat. Hey, yeah. <laughs> and then I watch it, I watch it through from what? midnight to 2 p.m yeah lovely that's doable we'll do it for the pod i've got nothing else to do uh for me for me on mountain time over in wyoming it's not great to be honest it's very similar um to the pack or obviously similar time zones to the pakistan test which we're hopefully going to be doing that second pod on um coming up in a couple of weeks it's um starts at 9 30 p.m for me which uh, means i'll get i'll get the morning in before bed yeah but I'm going to miss most of the day's play. Um, That's not bad. You've you've had the Australia test as well. You've been able to watch a lot of the stuff down under. I'll tell you what, the Australia test for me started every day, 4.30 p.m. And I've watched it through to midnight. Five days in a row, I've watched at least four hours. So I can't complain. 
No, I can't complain. See, I take that, especially with the Ashes coming up. You, you, you might not be in, in mountain time by then, who knows? But <laughs> uh, yeah, let, let's all get used to that. Um, slightly earlier start for fans in the UK, 4.30. It's on Sky. Uh, if you're a subscriber to that, there's plenty of streaming sites that I shouldn't be advocating available to, obviously. <laughs> um, so that about wraps up this pod. Uh, we hope we've given you loads of info going to this very exciting series. Uh, we'll have a review, obviously, of each individual test match. And that first one starts on the morning of the 14th of January. Uh, so, Glenn, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And Zach, thank you so much. Thank you. And we will speak to you very soon. Thank you for listening. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.